0: Hello, I'm joined this week by our columnists Paul Vallely and Angela Tilby to talk about the Dominic Cummings story and the church's reaction. If you don't yet subscribe to the Church Times, check out our special offer, 10 weeks of the print issue and full access to our website and archive for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash 10 weeks. Paul, first, you you write in your column this week, how did Dominic Cummings, a man so sure-footed in his reading of the British public during the Brexit campaign, misread the same public so badly when it came to the lockdown? Why do you think that was?
1: Um, I think it was because uh, the things that he played on uh, when he was trying to get the Brexit vote, uh, which were kind of uncertainty, uh, fear of foreigners, um you know the, the the false promise of 350 million extra for the nhs um and the, uh, the ex- he exploited that sense that there was in lots of parts of the country that people have been left behind by globalization and by by affluence i mean i'm from the northeast and uh, people in the northeast really feel as though they've been they've been left behind for decades and so the he he was exploiting something negative essentially and and what's happened during the uh, the crisis? My experience of it has been with my neighbours, and what I've read on social media, and just you know the conversations that I hear when I go out on a Thursday night for for the applause for the uh, for the NHS workers, which has turned into a bit of a social event in our street. You know, people stand around for a quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, and talk uh, at a safe distance. But um, what you get there is this sense of of something very positive, uh, neighbourliness, community. What in the church you 'd call fellowship, um, uh, people going out of their way to help each other uh, sacrifice self sacrifice in certain ways, and the contrast between the uh, what I called in the column the, the the darker angels of our nature and the better angels of our nature, it seems to me that Dominic Cummings knew how to exploit the darker side but uh, was uh, was not in tune with with the lighter side uh, and what he did when he when he put his family before. Uh, the, the, the The rules which put the good of the community before the good of the individual was um, he, he violated something in that in that uh, uh, that sense of uh, of community and fellowship um, and he didn 't really understand uh, what he'd um, he 'd done He seemed to lack a sense of uh, empathy he 's obviously got very acute political antennae for for uh, certain kinds of things, but he 's obviously got uh, a uh, complete insensitivity in other areas, and that's what I was trying to highlight.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, since he made and he tried to explain his actions in the Rose Garden of Downing Street on Monday afternoon, um, do you think he hoped that people would um, respond well to that, or it would in some way um, lessen the the furor?
1: I, I think I think uh, he did. And certainly when I watched it, I, I felt more sympathy for him than I had previously. Because interestingly, the day before, when he was dealing with journalists on his doorstep, he was very arrogant and dismissive, uh, had that kind of disdain that he has for people. And here was a different side to the man. He was being uh, patient and listening to questions and, and trying to be reasonable and trying to explain something of the, um, uh, the, 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 the anguish that he'd had. Uh, 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 in trying to make uh, a decision and the difficult situation he felt he'd been in. But what became clear as he went on was that he was sensitive to his own uh, difficulties, but he wasn't sensitive to the greater difficulties, which many other people had, had. You know, people who couldn't sit and hold the hand of their, their father when he was dying and people couldn't go to their mother's funeral and uh, uh, the 13-year-old boy who had to die alone. I mean, we're talking about, you know, grave, grave uh, personal bereavement and they don't uh, really weigh in the scales against um, uh, the, 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 the small difficulties that he had and he couldn't seem to see that uh, and I think that as he went on rather rather like a boy with his excuse for uh, why he hasn't got his homework the more detail he added the less convincing he became
0: Angela, I mean, you, you've been following the story as well, um, particularly over the weekend on, on social media. What, what did you make of it?
1: I, I agree with
2: a lot of what Paul says, and I, I want to make it clear. I'm, I, you know, I do think Dominic Cummings' influence on the British political scene has not been helpful to our unity or our nationhood and things that have been exploited in society um, you know I'll be glad to see him go for all sorts of reasons but 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 I do think in a way he's become a lightning rod for something quite different which is to do with huge frustration and fear which is still around particularly around now we're coming out of lockdown um, which is just dying to be very very angry with someone it's looking for a sacrificial victim and unfortunately he fits all the categories if you look at the case on its own merits though I'm not sure that it stands up as as well as some might think it does. Um, I've been looking at the rules about leaving home that he was um, presumably following. Now, the problem is with the rules, and this is a real, real problem, to be communicated and to be understood by large numbers of people, they have to be simple, you know, three sentences, don't go out, sort of. But actually, if you look at the statutory instruments which bring these rules into being and make them enforceable, they have to be more complex, they have to be more nuanced, they have to allow for exemptions. And there certainly are exemptions which Dominic Cummings would have been aware of, which others, if they had, um, and they, they can be downloaded, the government producing these every day. Um, uh, exemptions to do with vulnerable individuals, exemptions to do with leaving home in certain circumstances. Um, and. The way they're listed suggests to me that they're not exhaustive. There is a measure of judgment to be made in the way that some rules are interpreted. And I think in a way um, that he was, he was within a reason in, in what he did, as others have been within reason when they 've it, and it 's not the same to, to allow that is not to say um, everybody can do what they like you know I, I know what that 's like, what nightmare it is when people disregard social distancing and do really stupid things um, as they as they do quite often at the moment in public space um, but the, the, the difference between the rule that is easily communicated and the way in which to make it statutory, it has to be nuanced. I, I think that that needs to be better understood. And you, you could say, and I think this is true, that the government's ability to communicate what the, the rules and the law are has not been very good. You know, it's, it's not been made obvious to people um, what the difference is. And the communication has sometimes been over-simple, over-direct, sometimes it's been confusing and, and baffling. Um, but it is actually a very, very difficult thing to get right so i 'm much more sympathetic to Dominic Cummings as an individual. I think given that he, um, he has a child who appears to be particularly vulnerable in various ways, given that he 's not going to get um, child care in an emergency in London in the middle of a lockdown, um, given that his wife was ill, given that he 's seen his scenario he presented in the, the Rose Garden, Prime Ministers ill, you know, trying to keep a government office. Up and running in some sort of shape or form, the load of conflicting responsibilities and duties that he was trying to wrestle with at the time, um, I think were pretty overwhelming um, so I am more sympathetic with him, and I'm not sure that actually treating him as a kind of lightning rod as as a sort of you know, the repository of everybody's anger. I think we need to look at that anger, actually, and look at how how we deal with actually our own very, very deep fears of what's going on in society at the moment, um, rather than trying to get rid of it, which we always want to do, by sort of loading it on one person. I'm certainly not saying he's innocent, but I, I do think, we you know, there's a, there's a sort of self-reflection that needs to go on here.
1: I, I think the difference between this is proportion, really. Uh, when you consider uh, that the in the rules that you've just referred to, when it's got the section about vulnerable children, it's talking about children in care, children who've got protection orders, children who are in homes where there's domestic violence. So I, I think to to stretch that into uh, um, the difficult situation he found fa- he, he found himself in is really not to reflect the proportion, and that's why the the um, the post bags of the MPs has been filled. I mean, these MPs are are getting not just hundreds, but one MP has had over a thousand. Um, Paul,
2: that says that the public anger is enormous, and public rage at at the uncertainty and at the fear that's going on. It's very, very easy to take this one individual who had very complex decisions to make um and to load the whole lot onto him i and i don't think you're entirely right about this i mean i've got a copy of the rules in front of me um over going out and and where um it was it's appropriate to 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 consider doing this and i i think it would be very difficult in his position um when the only place that he could actually self-isolate in a way that wasn't going to be harmful to a child who is vulnerable and you know people with uh, difficulties on the, the autistic spectrum are vulnerable in very particular ways as we all know and i i i can't find myself you know if you're thinking about this in sort of terms of christianity and the gospel and our duty to our neighbor I'm struck by the story of Jesus about the, the you know, the, the beast of burden who falls into a pit in the Sabbath, who wouldn't actually get that beast out. You know, we don't have to be pharisaical about these rules. We have to be compassionate. We have to be reasonable. Um, and I'm not sure that Dominic Kong's actions falls on the guilt side of that divide in quite the way that everybody else seems to think it probably does. Um, well, I, think,
1: I think we'll probably have to... Uh... <laughs> you know, agree differ on 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 whether he's violated the rules or not. Certainly, most people think he has. But I think there's something beyond the rules. I think there's a sense of something, something which is spiritual, uh, moral, and uh, um, social, in a deeper kind of way. And even if he has stuck to the rules, or bent the rules, or interpreted the rules liberally, or however you want to phrase it, there's still a sense that he has somehow um, desecrated this. This this common uh, decency, um, which which people feel uh, uh, gave meaning to their um, to their sacrifices, and he's he's kind of retrospectively robbed them of that meaning by by uh, showing that uh, you know uh, th- there's one law for, for 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 the rich and the rest of us can go hang.
2: Well, that's an interpretation of it, but it's not one I happen to agree with. I think that you're right about the sense of uh, of community that has arisen in this. There are many, many examples of people behaving with extraordinary goodness and charity and kindness and going out of their comfort zones to help and support one another. Um, but I also think there's a, there's a side of it, which is to do um, with, as I, as I said, with, with a very basic fear, um, which is, is not always being acknowledged. And The anger that's around at the moment is a concealment, I think, for that, for that fear. And when that fear mounts uh, and and lets itself out on somebody in the way that it is at the moment, it's it's potentially very dangerous. It can be used to enforce a kind of moralistic totalitarianism, which in terms of emergencies, we know societies are particularly vulnerable to. Um, And I'd hate to see that go further. There does need to be place for individual dissent, for individual awareness, for um, responsibility, um that, that sometimes has to question the majority. It's not an easy time to say that, I know, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite suspicious about this, um, the kind of feel good factor that is being unleashed at the moment to condemn other people. There's a sign of health in society when you're looking for scapegoats. And there's a lot of searching for scapegoats at the moment.
1: Well, I I would agree with you on on that, but I think that you have to, uh, you know, put him in context. Uh, Neil Ferguson, the scientist who broke the rules, had to resign. Uh, Catherine Catherwood, the uh, medical officer in Scotland, broke the rules. She just went to her home. And there was nothing.
2: In fact, I think Neil Ferguson is still advising the government. They're not in the, the role that he was in, um, and in a way, he did something that was simply, simply selfish. He wanted to have sex with his girlfriend to whom he wasn't married. Fine, you know, but that's in a way a trivial, silly reason for which he was rightly thrown out. But this is not that kind of issue, um, and I, I think that to, to compare the two um, minimises the, the the
1: differences that, between them. Um, so, I think, uh, you know, to move on, as Boris Johnson would say, uh, to move on, I think what makes this more difficult is that it coincides with the time when uh, lockdown is being eased, yeah. and the easing of lockdown um, promotes a whole new set of fears. Uh, you know, the the, the the mother who thinks, shall I send my child back to school next week, or shall I keep them off until September, uh, weighing up all of the uh, the conflicting uh, factors and messages. Um, people, you know, who, who are going out shopping. People who can have, you know, half a dozen people come looking around their house uh, to st- it, because they put it on the market, but they can't go and see their mum. Uh, no, all of those with you. And factors make, make the kind of uh, unease uh, that, that you've described even more heightened, I think, at this point.
2: No, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's extremely difficult. And um, I think it doesn't help that we've got a cabinet who are not the most experienced politicians and that, that you know that they, they, they're people who were appointed because of their views on Brexit. And that doesn't mean that we've got the best minds actually thinking this through and working out how to communicate it sensibly to the public. I mean, I suspect that Dominic Cummings will have to go because actually it's just become too expensive and too complicated to keep him on. Um, And that may be on one level, as I've said before, I'd be very glad, um, and a lot of people will. But I think actually, as so often with these things, the reason is the wrong one. And, And the reason reflects something about society which isn't wholly encouraging at the moment.
1: Now, you see, I disagree with you on that in, from a different perspective, because I don't think he will go, because I think Boris Johnson has, has, has tied himself you know, to the mast of Dominic Cummings, and you can't really get rid of Dominic Cummings without getting rid of Boris Johnson. And so I think they, they, they will, in the common parlance, double down. They, they've got no way out of it now, uh, and they've had this succession of, of, of cabinet ministers come forward with these kind of shameless uh lame uh, justifications for what um uh, mm. what Cummings did in 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 ways which are inconsistent and and sometimes you know inconsistent within within one answer from one one minister mm. and that the whole uh, I, mean, I think when you looked at uh, I, I i watched boris johnson's performance in uh, the liaison committee uh, yesterday and that's the head uh, the, the head of each select committee in, in Parliament is in the liaison committee, and so you've got the top people who used to be ministers or are very experienced, but on both, both, both from both parties. And um, when you saw them questioning the Prime Minister, and you saw the calibre of his fluffed and blustery answers, you realise. That uh, what you said is, 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 you know, he's not just got the B team, he's got the C team in, 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 in the cabinet. I mean, some of them are really not up to it. And the calibre of the people on that liaison committee against the Prime Minister showed up so badly what his problem is. He's actually not capable of running the country without Dominic Cummings. And that is why he thinks uh, he, Cummings must stay. And so that, I, I, I can't see Cummings going, to be honest.
0: Can I ask each of you to comment on the um, the Church of England bishops, who I think fourteen serving bishops took to Twitter on Sunday evening after the Prime Minister's press briefing defending Mr. Cummings. Um, What did you make of it? It struck me as as quite an extraordinary um, thing.
2: I thought it was extraordinary too. I mean, some of them were rather nuanced. I thought Christine Hardman's um, tweet was really quite sensible and um, and. And you know it, it, it was the Church of England in a way at its best, it was being rational, being thoughtful, it was expressing dissent um from what was going on in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, but some of the other ones I've just felt this isn't this is this isn't the moment, you know it's kind of when you think of i mean I'm all for the fact that I think bishops should be able to express views on on the current issues. I don't have a problem with that, but given how little they usually say about things which have sometimes been quite serious in society, um, I was surprised to find them all weighing in and I can only think, I'm afraid, you know, they're part of this place of fear and panic we're in at the moment. It was lovely for them to have something they could all agree with and sort of pour down their wrath of God on Dominic Cummings. lovely, you know, makes us all feel a lot better, we've done something. But I'm not convinced that it was actually the wisest or most sensible response at the time if, if there would only been a little, and to go to Twitter as well, which as we all know is probably the the worst place to express anything that's a little bit, uh, you know, distanced and, and thoughtful. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure that it actually has done the church a lot of good, though it may have made them feel quite a bit better. And of course, they'll get lots of likes from people of similar views, so that'll be good for their um, insecurities and <laughs> anxieties, I'm sure.
0: And Paul, do you you think um, from a political point of view that the politicians will take any notice of the bishops?
1: I I think from a political point of view, the only thing that will make any difference uh, is what Tory MPs think. And if Tory MPs think in sufficient numbers that uh, this is too much of a mess, then it's possible that Boris Johnson might have to change his mind. But at the moment we've got uh, we're, we we're talking on Thursday. We've got about 45, I think, MPs, uh, Tory MPs, who who uh, think uh, that Dominic Cummings should go. Um, I mean, when you've got a majority of 80, you know, uh, that's uh, 45 sounds a lot, but it, it's not it's not really a danger in that sense. And there are a lot more of them who feel that uh, they. Um, um, they wouldn like companies to go but they 're not prepared to say so publicly because they think it would un- unstabilise or destabilize uh, the, the government um, so I think they 're the people who count and i 'm not sure that people will, uh, the, the government will care much what the bishops think um, the, uh, I mean I think the bishops were uh, uh, I half agree with angela i think so, so some of the tweets were just you know on Twitter you kind of you score a point it 's like jousting isn 't it um, and so one of the bishops t- talked about, uh, oh, he's he's gone full Trump now. Well, that's that, that that's a that's a twittery comment. It's a good jibe, uh, but I'm not sure it, it it it's kind of the function of a bishop. As as Angela said, you know, some of them were were more thoughtful. And uh, the, the Bishop of Manchester uh, uh, went on several times to to. Um, uh, Expand on how what the church was doing in this situation, who it was cooperating with, and who it was working with. But that's not the same as trusting the government. So it w- there was a chance to unpack that, and and uh, and uh, David Walker did do that. Um, but uh, um, uh, the Bishop of Worcester said uh, when he was on the Today programme, and uh, uh, he was accused of uh, you know only only tweeting things like this. He said, "Well, we tweet all kinds of things. It's just that you don't know t- you don't normally take any notice of us, and you picked up on this one." And I think that's a fair point because, uh, uh, you know, bishops are, are saying a whole range of things ordinarily and they don't get this kind of publicity
2: they stepped into a moment didn't they um but there there should be a little bit of nuance about um, episcopal interventions i think it's not just a sort of free for all place as it is for people like you and me who can sort of have our opinions and 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 suffer the consequences if they're (laughs) they're approved of or or not approved of um and I, i was i was struck in a sense by the the, the, the kind of naivety, the emotional naivety of, of, of their response, that they, they, they saw the opportunity to, uh, to be part of the lightning rod effect and, the, and they just plunged in there. Um, and I just think that in a way, if you're holding Episcopal office in the Church of England, you just need to stand back a little bit. And, and think
1: about the... I think to defend the bishops, you, you, it is, it is a fair for bishops to make comments on, on matters of, of integrity in public life. And insofar as they, 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 they thought this was a, uh, that kind of question, it was, it, it, it's a fair area for them to intervene in. I'm not sure all of them did it as judiciously as they, they, they could have, but I, I, I wouldn't say they, they shouldn't do this kind of thing.
2: I agree with you. I think the problem is that it then means that they, they become aligned and this may reflect their personal opinions with only a branch of the political range that's actually available. Now that may actually be the case. The bishops may all be lefty liberal pro-EU. <laughs> pro <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the majority probably are. But because they know that, I think they should be even more careful about the way um, casual individual comments get translated into the media. And um, it's, it's, it's not a terribly wise thing to have you all lined up in one <laughs> bit of the political spectrum.
1: Uh, that, a... I, I agree with that, but but I, I, I do uh, uh, raise a warning uh, finger at uh, the idea that this is about, you know, lefty Remainers versus, uh, um, uh, you know, hardline Brexiteers. Uh, that, that's certainly how some members of the government have, have portrayed it privately to to journalists in their in their private briefings, oh, this is just uh, people who didn't like Brexit trying to get uh, Brexit derailed by getting rid of the architect of Brexit. Oh, no. um, and, and, and I don't think that's entirely true because I know I know Conservative. Uh, voters who who uh, had brexit brexit leanings who think that Dominic Cummings should resign so it's not black and white
2: and you know that i'm a, I'm an ardent remainer and here i am <laughs> de- defending Dominic Cummings on, on on other not not i'm not defending his policies but I'm defending him as a person and I think that's that's something which needs to be held in here and it is an extremely difficult situation i, I agree with you entirely that that Boris is not a details person, he's not good at actually, he's not very good at making a case in spite of his, his approval of ancient rhetoric and all the other things. He doesn't know how to take people through a disciplined argument in three re- relatively easy stages, he just doesn't do that sort of stuff at all. So he's a
1: became clear in the in the liaison committee meeting that he was uh, um, he, w- he was trying some of his oratorical techniques yeah. And we've seen that in the House of Commons. Now that it's not a bear pit with the back benches behind you baying against the opposition, but it's it's much more like like a, a, a courtroom or a select committee. Um, he doesn't cope as well against uh, somebody with a forensic, uh, loyally approach like Keir Starmer. And I think we saw that in the liaison committee yesterday. He was uh, he, he, he's, not a, he's not a smooth talker for an orator. Um, I mean, it's full of hesitations and this that and the other and he talks like i'm talking now but um he's uh, you know it, um it's hard to see what his skill is in that situation yeah no i entirely agree with you but the,
2: given that the likelihood of a general election and Keir stava becoming prime minister are fairly remote at the moment he's all we've got and i mean actually say so we have to somehow deal with the fears and insecurities and anxieties that that provokes those of us who see things that way and none of that is easy and i do go back to this thing of there is a danger of scapegoating that is very very real at the moment and um you know i think i think cummings for all his his many faults which are which are real and we we agree with most of that most of the problems of that um is is somehow acting in a way that should take should make us examine ourselves more Um, it, it, it's it's just not quite fair to load it all onto those set of decisions.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.